Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Today, we continue the conversation with an artist of life. What the heck is that? You might ask. It's someone who explores art in its many iterations and then throws it back to the world with exuberance, energy, and focus. As a Greek-American model and actress as a young girl, to a singer traveling the world in her teens with a famous rapper, Ja Rule, I was like, maybe he's not a rapper, to a TV host in her 20s, this (laughs) was Alexi Panos only getting started. After co-founding her philanthropic project, Epit, more than 10 years ago, She and her husband are reinventing self-development with their emergent wisdom movement. Whether it's her soul school or her online and live programs, The Bridge Method, delivered worldwide, or even the inspiring book she has written, this girl just keeps on expanding. She is on a mission to empower 1 billion people, like that's with a B, to harness their gifts and live a life they are obsessed with, and in the process, create a shift that rocks the planet. But here's where life gets interesting. Alexi just had her first Baba named Kingston, who is crawling, standing, and walking into his own version of life. I can't wait to explore how she expresses her art form as a new mama. So Alexi, I can't thank you enough for being open to sharing your version of the world so that all of us can rise to our own potential. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. That intro was so beautiful. Thank you for that. I started, well, this is what I was going to say in my first question. I literally went to find out more about you pre knowing you. And yeah. I was like, she did more before she was 20 than most people do in a lifetime. <laughs> and maybe there's a reason for that. Cause you were like an actress as a little kid. We just mm-hmm. went to Disney Paris and I was like, Oh my God, she did stuff for Disney. So look, I want to focus on c- conscious parenting today. And I know we, yeah. you were cool with that, but could you take us on a journey of where you've been to where you sit today. So we can kind of get an understanding of where you speak from. Yeah. I mean, where I've been, it feels like there's so many lifetimes in between then and now, but 
I guess in the shortest, most concise way, I think I went from driven by significance and proving and a sense of trying to find my worthiness through external things to being driven by this inner fire and a passion to make a difference and to serve and to utilize my gifts and to activate my purpose. And I feel like for me, that's been probably the most significant shift in my life because it's changed my whole view of how I walk through the world. You know, before it was like finding ways to validate a very wounded ego that was trying to feel like she mattered and she fit in to now doing work that truly lights me up. And it's not even about me, you know, at this point, it's like something bigger is moving me. Something bigger is asking me to contribute more and to do more and to have my hands kind of more on the world. And, and that's what fuels me. And it feels amazing. And I feel like even with my parenting, I'm so glad I've made that shift prior to becoming a mom because I can totally see how I would have just had my son become that thing to validate me in some way if I hadn't had done that inner work. And now having done that inner work and still on that path, the work is always there. I think the coolest thing is really allowing my son Kingston to be his own person and write his own story and have his own life and his own journey. And I'm just kind of shepherding him into that and, and being the support for that. So. Oh, wow. That's really beautiful. And when you say shepherding, give me more on that because I hear that word, but I know that you're going to like qualify that a little. Tell me what (laughs) shepherding, give me some direction there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We just got a dog. That's an English sheep dog and poodle mix. So I'm really getting this shepherding thing even more so now with my dog whose instincts have kicked in. And what's interesting is he, he lets Kingston, like he's really close to Kingston. So he lets Kingston run and play and do all the things outside. But the minute Kingston gets close to the road, he comes and he stands right in front and he like protects him and says like, not here. This is a boundary for your safety. But before that, it's, it's freedom and it's play and it's watching and it's laughing with. And, and it's really just this idea of being present to witness his growth and expansion mm-hmm. while at the same time being a teacher to let him know certain boundaries for his safety and for his highest evolution so that he can grow and understand the world in a really powerful way. So it's, it's getting out of the way, but making sure I'm still there enough so that he feels protected and safe. Okay, that's beautiful. And were you raised like that? I was to an extent. Like I have two parents who are entrepreneurs and, and kind of rebels in their own right. Um, you know, my dad is, is the Greek side and very traditional Greek family, but my dad was kind of the black sheep of that family. Mm-hmm. And my mom was kind of this wild child, blonde haired, blue eyed, model slash dancer and she was just like you know a woman about town and they really just did life differently still to this day you know they they do it on their own terms and they've always told me like no matter what you do and no matter what you choose we'll support you because you're smart and we trust your decisions as a smart woman and they always instilled that in me like you're your own leader decide what's good for you and like even the topic of college my mom ended up going back to college and getting her master's in her forties, but 
both of my parents went to college and kind of just were like, you know what, I'd rather be out in the world working and then started their own businesses and did really well with that. So they always fostered that kind of renegade spirit where it was like, just do you like explore. That's what life's about. It's about creating and trying and, and seeing what fits and what doesn't and learning through the mistakes that you make along the way. That's progress is making those mistakes and collecting that, that information and then moving on to the next thing. And so that's, I'm so grateful I have that. And I'm so grateful that I can instill that in my son because I wasn't ever forced to fit into some yeah, peg that's like, this is what you have to do, you know? That's cool. Eh? I love that. The renegades, because yeah, they've given you that power to just explore it. And in a way, what you're doing doesn't really, ex- hadn't existed before. So right. you never could have said, you know, on your list of college, you know, lawyer, <laughs> like, let's go with, what was it? Um, movement. Let me get back. Emergent wisdom. Yeah. Um, would you yeah. like to choose the emergent wisdom movement pathway? <laughs> like, doesn't even exist. You're creating right. it. So. Right. And that's the thing too. It's like, even thinking about that, when I first did my first like study course in life coaching, I was mm-hmm. 26. So it's almost 10 years ago at this point. And everyone was like, life coach, is that, you mean like soccer coach? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no life coach and they're like I don't understand is that like psychology people didn't get the concept of it and of course nowadays we all kind of know what a life coach is and we all have an idea of it because it's exploding as an industry which is great but back then it was like such a weird thing that people were so judgmental about like okay good luck with that (laughs) and yeah and you I think it's really interesting that I, I read that you wrote a book with your mom and so when I read that, I thought, you know, you were obviously exploring deeper questions all yeah. the way along this, you know, this career that was maybe, this is a generalization, but potentially based a little bit more on self-image, like outer look. Yeah, superficial, for sure. Yeah, and yet you were delving inside. So how has, how have your beginnings, do you think, led you to want or be a conscious parent now? Yeah, well, that's interesting. So my beginnings, and this is really credit to both my mom and my dad, because they were exploring different things. My dad was into martial arts and Eastern philosophy. My mom was into spirituality and the course of miracles and all of that. So when I was young, my best friend, Natalie, was a Christian. And so I'd go to Sunday school with her and I'd always come back and I'd ask my dad, like, why don't we go to to church? And why don't we do Sunday school? And he said, well, that's not our belief system. And then I started like asking, well, what do you mean? That's not the thing. He said, no, there's so many world religions out there and so many different beliefs and you should explore them all and see what fits for you. And he gave me the book of the Tao, Taoism, which to me is like, I don't want to say it's become like my foundational philosophy, but it kind of has. Like it's mm-hmm. just, peel, it continues to peel back and really the, the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, that one. Um, and then my mom was Course in Miracles and uh, Center for Spiritual Living, which was kind of like this amalgamation of all the, the wisdom philosophies and traditions. And so having both of them really foster a sense of independent learning and curiosity and critical thinking kept me in that field. So I always did well in school, but I wasn't really challenged by school. So they'd have us read like Romeo and Juliet and Beowulf, and I'd be like, oh, I hate reading. And my dad said, well, maybe you just need to find books that you're really interested in. 
And so then I started finding books by Tony Robbins and Marion Williamson and all these people that I was like, wow, these are such big thinkers. And I just love how they thought. And I had those principles kind of deeply instilled within me. Even so, when I was on this road of a superficial career, I was able to really see behind the curtain in an objective way and go, oh, maybe the fame and the significance wasn't all it's cracked up to be. And maybe there's more. And maybe I'm really kind of just playing small, even though I'm getting acknowledged by the rest of the world that, wow, you're doing so great. You're doing all these things. But it was still playing small for me because I knew that there is something, a greater gift to give than just the external. So cool. Yeah, so cool. Because you can be in your power anywhere, I guess. You know, it doesn't matter if you're on the rap stage. And I love that you have, you're an album called Murder. Yeah, I have to say that out loud. I just, I said to that, I was like, is that hilarious? Can we just, it's hilarious. No, it's it's like past life. Oh my God. I cannot believe that, that (laughs) my father was not like, absolutely not. (laughs) Just just now knowing, oh my gosh, sorry. I just had to say it out loud because it cracked me up. So, um, (laughs) so why have kids? Like everything's pumping. You, you know, business yes. is going, your rela- relationship is pumping, it's conscious, you get married, traveling the world. Yeah. Okay, let's have a baby. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny, like all of these societal ideas that I had in my head that I didn't realize I had, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can't have all of that and have a baby. Like I can't mm. live the life of my dreams and be a mom. It's like, you have to choose one or the other. And I didn't recognize that was kind of a subconscious pattern and belief that I had until we got pregnant. And we had been talking about kind of planning on getting pregnant, maybe eight months out. And we were like, let's sell all of our stuff and become nomads and travel the world. So we did that. We literally got rid of eight, 90% of our stuff, traveled the world. We got, we were living out of a suitcase a month into it. We find out we're pregnant. <laughs> Got it. And the plan was, it's like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll travel the world for a year and be nomadic. And then we'll start trying. Right. So it was like, let's get the dream out first and then we'll start. And the universe had other plans. And, you know, we believe everything is perfect timing and everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. And we were thrilled and also like, okay, this is going to be interesting to be nomadic and pregnant, (laughs) you know, and we we didn't even think about a house until somebody was asking me, actually, we were in Australia doing a tour for our workshops. And someone said, oh, are you going to do a hospital birth or a home birth? And I said, oh, I'm planning on doing a home birth. And they said, oh, where are you going to do it? Because we didn't have a home. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think we, we should probably have a home. <laughs> okay, I just have to, this is so funny, because my friend had a really great first birth and with midwives, and she's like, I want to have a home birth. And she said, the only thing I needed to get over was I couldn't have it at my house. I'm like, how do you just call up your friends and say, hey, right. on September 20th, are you I'm going to cool? need your house. I'm going to need your house for the day. You can right. stay. Right. Uh, sorry. So yeah, great that you thought I might need birth. A right. Because I was like, I don't know how I feel about giving birth in like an Airbnb. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, not really sure about that. Okay, that's the like, funniest thing I've heard in a long time. You know, it's like the the whole point of a home birth is like to be in the comfort of your own home and to feel like you're in your space. And I'm like, we need a space. So that's when we're like, okay, let's get a space. And oh, yeah, yeah awesome. and 
And it just honestly, why kids? Because we knew that that was our next greatest evolution. You know, it's like all the personal development work you can do on yourself means nothing. One, until you get into a relationship, as you know, like partnership and being with somebody who is also conscious and aware of their patterns and what shows up and their core wounding and all of that. It calls forth and tests everything you think you know everything because it's 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 so easy in my opinion to be like totally enlightened without being in a relationship it's like I know about myself I know how to navigate the world but if I have nobody who's being a mirror for me who's so intimately like intertwined in my life then I don't really have the challenge of testing out what I know I don't have the opportunity for it to become wisdom and Preston and I my husband and I found that very deeply with the two of us like we were each other's mirrors to a T. And then having a child for us felt like, wow, we get to shepherd in and foster life. Like what a gift. We're supporting all these other people around the world in having them live their best lives and activate their greatness. But imagine doing it for somebody that has come through you. Oh my goodness. Like that just felt like the greatest expansion and the greatest love that we didn't even know we didn't know, right? God. Until we had him. And then we looked at him and we're like, <gasps> heart explosion. Oh my God. We finally got what everybody was talking about where like, oh, you think you know love and then you have a kid and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, we love yeah, each yeah. other. We know love. <laughs> yeah. Cause you just think it's your own relation. You'll go, oh, I'll love them. Like I love Preston or yeah. I love them. Like I love Nat. And then I even experienced a slight fear, which really demonstrated my definition of love like this sense of like but I can't share the love I've already got lots to you and like I didn't understand expansion fully I was very like linear thinking I had to like split it off yeah and then they arrive and you're like what's happening yeah (laughs) this is like this is something else yeah so that was I could only have experienced I just couldn't get it when people were talking about it that's it and and there's a quote and I forget who said it I feel like it's, it might be in the Tao, but it talks about how life has to be lived in order to be fully known. And that's never more true, in my opinion, than with children. You know, it's like we can conceptualize and plan. And my, my aunt actually said, it's never a good time to have kids. And she's so right. You know, she's had three kids and she's an amazing house mom and housewife. And she's like, it's just, it's never a good time. She's like, you can plan and, and, do all these things and move and create space. She's like, but it's never, it's never a good time. You just have to do it. You just have to pull the trigger and your life will move around it and you'll figure it out. And it's so true. You know, if, if we actually looked at it from a logical linear space, it wouldn't have made sense to anybody for us to have a child. Yeah. It's like you travel too much. And we heard it. People are like, Oh, well, there goes your travel lifestyle. Oh, there, there goes your freedom there goes your nights mm-hmm. out, there goes your business conferences. And it's like, not really, you know, we, we get to design that. And we love that we get to be a stand for that and actually show Kingston how you can consciously create and design your life to fit around your values. And I know that's what you and Nat are about too, which I love. And it, and I, okay, you said a couple of things there that I'm just so curious about. You said that a partner like you can be so enlightened and then a partner is there to kind of mirror back to you. And I've heard you use the word in other, um, you know, in relationship, I've heard you talk about feedback 
Yeah. What's the feedback? What's the feedback? So I love that, first of all, about kids. So what feedback are you getting from Kingston? Uh, So much. I think the biggest feedback that Kingston's giving me is, is joy. He's like my joy reminder, you know, because I can get very, I'm so passionate, I'm so driven, and I love serving, and I love my work, and I can get really deeply into that and, like, kind of go down this little black hole of, like, I'm going to create a billion, a change, change a billion people's lives, and I'm still that person, you know, I'm not going to change that about me. However, I get to be joyful in the process of that because now is the only moment that we have and I think Mm. Kingston is my constant reminder that our inherent state is joy is bliss unless there's an obstacle hungry tired wet diaper (laughs) you know other than that it's play and joy and and in the Tao they talk about this that you know a river just flows a spring just flows and the, the only reason it stops flowing is if there's rocks and obstruction. Mm. And if we remove the obstruction, we remove those rocks, we don't have to then start up the spring. It's not like we have to go out and find it or do something joyful. It's okay. just there. It's our inherent state. And Kingston children in general, to me, are such a beautiful reminder of that. It's like, that's how we inherently feel until we're programmed and conditioned to think that we need something outside of ourselves to make us feel good. Lovely. That's, that's great. I love that you use the word joy. It was the thing that I had only known cognitively before mm, yes. I, I experienced it. And, and it's to me, the joy is in the moment. Like you said, yes. it's like this moment by moment, um, you know, we move around a lot and we're finding it so interesting because I want to say we're going to Nana's house soon, but, actually we've got about a hundred other things happening before that. <laughs> yes. And, and, yes. and because space and time is so confusing for kids, it's a great reminder. It's like, why are we talking about that? <laughs> yes. That's in five days. Do you know? And it, yeah. even when people call on the phone, they always want to say, you're coming, you know, five weeks to come back to Australia and you should see your face. What? Like, what? Are we going on the plane <laughs> now? Right now. So, yeah. She's like, why is this relevant? I'm eating a right. frozen grape. Like this is the best thing that's happened to my life right now. So thank you for saying that about moment by moment, because it's just the most incredible um, demonstration of joy. It really is. Mm-hmm. So tell me about you in partnership. So you and Preston, newly married, very conscious. What happens when you add a third energy to the mix? Well, for us, I mean, it just, it, it added everything and took away everything. So it's like, right when we thought we nailed our partnership, we're like, we are nailing this. <laughs> it's like, throw a third in. And it's like, whoa, oh my gosh, we are not nailing this. We were not prepared. And, and I liken it to, um, I forget who I was talking to, but I was sharing this. Oh, it was my friend who just had a baby. It's like, you know, when you first fall in love, and you're all consumed with the person. You think about them all the time. And you want to text them all the time. And I'm like, that's like what having a baby is. It's like you're all consumed. You can't think about anything else. It's like, oh, what's Kingston doing? Is, is he okay? Like, does he need to eat? It's just constant, right? Hmm. And then you've got to, or at least for me, I've had to consciously create space in my brain to think about my partner, 
to even think about myself in full transparency it's like mm-hmm. everything came second slash last to my son you know and I actually found out that that women's brains fully rewire when they become moms and it is for our child's survival so it's actually our brains do fully go child only child like focus on them focus okay. on them and it's it's really fascinating because I'm like, oh, well, that, that kind of makes sense. <laughs> like, I don't know if you felt that. Yeah. And you've just, but I didn't actually understand it. No, you're giving context yeah. because I just experienced like this noise called partner over here. Totally. Like distraction. Why are you talking? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which I'm makes it a bit more challenging. Totally. And that's mm. the thing is like when our number one priority becomes our child and their survival and their thriving and all of that everything else does feel like noise and it's our job and my job. I'll speak for myself. It's my job to ensure that a, my partner feels included in that process mm-hmm. and B it's understanding it's not noise and that it adds so much mm-hmm. to the child to have a thriving partnership that they can look up to. And I think that for me is my constant reminder because again, my brain is, like child first, child first, child first. And I'm now getting a lot better at taking time with Preston. And like, we're going to Hawaii in September, just him and I, and having some adult time, (laughs) you know, it's important to do those things because then we can come back with our cups really full. And Mm -hmm. Kingston gets a beautiful example of Mm -hmm. parents that are happy and connected. And both Preston and I grew up in families of divorce, multiple marriages and divorces. So for us, we were really committed to, to saying, you know what, let's, let's see if we can break that cycle. Let's see if we can create a new normal for our family and for the generations that aren't even here yet. So they can go, oh yeah, you know, Nana and Papa have been married 50 years and it's like, wow, we hope we can do that. You know, Absolutely. it's, I like that. It, yeah, it's, it's going to be hard, but it's, it's definitely something that we're committed to. That's cool. I love that. I love that you've um, got that vision, you know, for that's beautiful, actually. Yeah, thanks. I just just took that. I'm like, got that one. Um, You're like, I'll take that one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I am going to move with that. Um, Thank you, my friend. You know, George did something really interesting. And it started about maybe a year ago, maybe when she was two, she started to when we put her to bed at night, we'll sometimes do little things like at the end of the day and she'll put our heads together and she wants us to kiss. Oh, so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it, she, and it's like, I think there's something really inherent in wanting that coming together. And yeah. I find it, I, I was always really fascinated at first. We didn't know what she was doing because she was just kind of like <laughs> it might have been earlier than two because we both wow. didn't know. We're like, what is she doing? And it's continued. Yeah. She loves. And now when we're walking, wow. She sometimes wants to, us to hold hands. Oh, and I, yeah, I find that really interesting that she um, shows that. So I think there is something. I also come from divorce um, yeah. parents and stuff, where there's like this inherent desire, maybe to witness that connection, to feel it. But yeah, yeah. it's lovely that you guys are are putting in the energy. And I'm glad we're talking about this because Nat and I have never been as challenged. Um, as we have been by adding the third energy. So for sure, getting a lot by what you're sharing. So thank you. Yeah. And I think that's big too. I think a lot of, a lot of parents, especially new parents feel really insular and alone and they feel like, Oh my gosh, like 
the relationship now. And I don't want to talk about it because I'm supposed to be in this blissed out state of like new baby. But truthfully, 67% of marriages, 67, end in the first year of a baby. What? Yeah. Like, and it makes sense if you think about it, because it's that it's your whole world gets flipped upside down, flipped upside down. And you literally are in survival mode. You're not sleeping. (laughs) You're totally sleep deprived. Mamas are like everything deprived because nutritionally, if we're breastfeeding, we're giving all of our nutrients Mm -hmm. to our baby. And then like, there's such a strain just on all aspects of life. But at the same time, you're experiencing the greatest love you've ever experienced. So it's like such a catch 22. It's like, I'm feeling more amazing than I've ever felt in my life. And oh my God, look at this little amazing human that we made. And I also feel like I can't even think about you right now, you know, and I feel like this is weighing on me. And I think just talking about it is such a a sigh of relief for a lot of people because then Mm -hmm. they feel like, okay, I'm not alone. It's normal. It's okay. You know, and I think that's a big thing. And knowing, I would love to know the stat. So the 67% that end in the first year, I had this idea and no stat, just this feeling of when kids turn like 12, so many parents are separating at that time because I think it's almost like consciously the kids are becoming more independent. Now you don't have that mission and now you look at each other and you're like, who are you? And so I would love to know, you know, how many survived that. So that's where, yeah, Nat and I have been talking about it for a long time. Like it's been, we've been aware. Um, It doesn't mean that that awareness has always resulted in improvement, but that's what even your bridge method, like what you guys deliver is so huge because it's not just going to be, I I heard you say this somewhere, communicating about it is not going to shift it. You know, it's (laughs) not enough to just get the right words down. No. So it takes, and it takes deep commitment to the daily actions and practices to maintain powerful partnership, especially when you have a child, because there's also daily commitments and actions to maintain conscious parenting when you have a child or children and it's work. And, and that's, you know, I think that's the biggest misconception. People are like, I can't wait to find my conscious partner, relationship goals, you know, all the things. And what they don't get is a conscious partnership. Sometimes in my experience with a lot of my clients and myself, it's more work than an unconscious partnership mm-hmm. because you're now just aware. You're just conscious of your stuff. You know, you're conscious of your wounds. You're conscious of where you're in your own way. You're just more conscious of the work that needs to be done. Whereas yeah. like when I was just blissfully ignorant, you know, I could be in a relationship that wasn't working for two or three years and be like, oh, it's fine. We have fun together. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's easy. Right. Like my beach volleyball partner said that once to an energy guy we were working with. She's like, my life was so much better before you came along. And he goes, <laughs> and he goes yeah, I get that you thought that. Yeah. However, he's like, you just weren't aware of all the things you were stumbling on. Um, you just stumbled, you know, and you would just be flat on the ground and wondering how you got there. He's like, yeah. sorry, now you know. <laughs> now you yeah. know why. You can't exactly. take taking the pill. And That's it. Um, yeah, but I get that. It's, it, it can feel more simple and lighthearted yeah. and, and yet powerful partnerships. I love that, that you put together. So just to, there's so much I want to, you know, 
There's about a million things, directions I could go in. But question, has being a mother shifted your dreams that you have for your life? Um, I won't say they've shifted my dreams, but they've shifted my focus. Okay. Um, I love being a mother for that. That's one of the things that it was like a paradigm that I was kind of scared about when I was pregnant. Like, oh, am I going to want to go back to work? Like, how yep. am I going to feel? And the minute Kingston came, I, I it was like the most immense amount of clarity I've ever had around, oh, that doesn't matter. Cut the fat, get rid of that. That's just like superfluous. It's extra. I was doing that because I thought I needed to or whatever. Mm-hmm. And to focus on this, like this is what matters because my time is so precious now. Mm-hmm. Any time away from my son is like, to me, that's like spending a million dollars for every hour away from my son. And so if I'm spending an hour away from him, I better be doing something I'm really passionate about that really moves the needle for my values and what I care about. If I'm just like superficially posting on social media and doing this, like, no, no, ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) And I love that. I love the fierce focus that came from motherhood. It's like, nothing is more important than my family. And if anything is going to pull me away, it better be so clearly aligned with my goals. So all the fluff had to leave all the extra things that I was kind of just doing because that's what you do to scale your business. Or that's what you do when you're at this phase of your business Bye. no time for you. Got it. See you later. So good. So what is the clarifying focus on your business now? So where is the business going? That is so clear. Yeah, for me, it's tangible impact in the world. So I, I want to actually feel the difference that is being made in people's lives, not just through me, but through the work that I'm passionate about through, I'm doing a lot of humanitarian and activism work right now in the States. I'm I'm literally leaving tomorrow to go work in a maximum security men's prison for the weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll be away from Kingston for four days, but I'm doing work that really drives me because it's about prison reform and treating people with humanity and like that to me, the tangibleness, like that's why I love our workshops so much is because mm. we get in these rooms and we see people walk in on day one, scared and nervous and in their own way, in whatever way. And then on day two or day three, it's just like, oh, there you are. And that to me is like, that matters because that person now is going to go back to their life and be the most truest, most authentic version of themselves. And that's going to transform their entire life and every single person in it. And there's nothing to me that matters more than human beings recognizing the truth of who we are, like really getting it. Because all of, to me, all of our struggle, all of our stress, all of the overwhelm, all of us killing ourselves, trying to earn more and do more and be more is because we don't truly know who we are. Mm. And the minute we wake up to our own greatness and our own truth of who we've always been, we start to recognize the illusion and the game that we're playing and we can still play it. We can still play it, but we know it's a game and it's not playing us. Yeah. Boom. Well, my friend, I just love everything that you're about. And like, you've just expanded. I said this before we started chatting to it, to the community, but you've just um, become a better, more bigger, more expanded version of yourself. So thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to come back. I'd yeah. love to- delve a little bit more into impact that can be felt that's tangible. Um, I'd love to hear a bit 
you know, to know a bit more about that. And I just want to thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. And I love you guys so much. And it's so beautiful to be in your energy again. Mwah. Mwah. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.